This is the Infatuation Podcast, where I get together with a few friends to talk about Asian things and Asian people that we love. This is Curtis, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about Asians and comics and the release of Marvel's Shang-Chi. Welcome to episode number nine of the Infatuation Podcast. We're excited today. We're talking about um, something that perhaps some people wouldn't have imagined maybe even ten years ago. I don't know. But Marvel and Disney has just, um, just about, well, by the time this episode comes out, they will have released a comic book movie centered around an Asian hero. Who would have guessed? Who would have thought that was coming? But of course, we're talking about Shang Chi. Uh, we're not gonna on this today's episode. We're gonna try really hard not to spoil anything for you uh, because we haven't seen the movie yet. It's still August, <laughs> so we don't really know anything. But uh, we're gonna try not to to spoil it for you on this episode. However, on episode nine point two, uh, we are gonna go see the movie beforehand, and we will talk about the actual movie. So uh, if you uh, want to avoid spoilers, don't listen to. 9.2 just yet. Make sure you see the movie first. But on today's episode, uh, I, I have to admit I am not a comic book expert by any means, uh, but I do have some people with me to help me talk about it. Definitely more experienced than I do. So today, I'm going to introduce to you a friend that I've known at least 35 years. Woo! Which means we met when we were one, right? <laughs> we were one years old when we... No, it's Brian. Brian, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Going good. It's going good. Uh, you were you were by far the first person I thought of because... Uh, how would you describe... Are you a Marvel... What would you call yourself? I'm all you are, Marvel. All Marvel. Uh, comic book store alum. Yes, one of the greatest comic book stores in San Francisco ever. Comics in the Kind, which uh, uh, was sold in the late 90s and was bought by a former employee uh, and it's now called Isotope and they're on uh, they're on Hayes I believe uh, and Franklin. So how many years were you there? Is this all through high school? I, I, I got there in middle school when he first opened and I hung out there. It was a place to hang out. And uh, You were that kid. You're that kid who goes to the hung out there. Showed up every day, didn't buy anything. <laughs> um, awesome. It was like free babysitting and then finally started working there sophomore year of high school and then worked all the way until 89 when I was in college. And I, I felt like, oh, it's time to move on. And and then I quit in 89. So that's kind of where you got your start for the love of this. And uh, But it's picked up again, I think, since, uh, since you got into adulthood, started making some money. You said, you know what? I really like this stuff. When did the memorabilia start? That started... Oh, geez. Well, it started with comic books and then uh, they started making statues, like really cool statues with a lot of detail. So I started getting into statues and then all of a sudden uh, it just spread from there. It's like, oh, it's that slippery slope. Like once you get in. Oh, yeah. All these things. I mean, we're, we're arch- archivists, you know, we, we we're nostalgic. So we, we kind of dive into things that are have a lot of meaning to us, especially if it's linked to our childhood. So we're kind of historians as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to get a Jack Kirby pencil, um, one of his pencils, you know, and so yeah. yeah, it kind of spreads out to you know whatever. But you know, comic books and now original art, the actual art pages of those comic books that got printed. So I'm yeah. heavily into that as well. Yeah, and the the internet, I'm sure, has helped that for you, like you know, finding stuff. In the old days, you had to put the time in going and visiting stores and sales and all that stuff. Totally. Now you can find an eBay. And- you, you actually respect the old collectors because they had to write letters to the artist wow. and go back and forth and get, get this stuff. And, you know, wow. we have it at the touch of our keyboard. So, yeah, but the shows is still a big part of it, right? Going to shows and going to, you know, collectors things. That's kind of a big part of it. Yeah. Those are huge events for us. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, also joining us, to bring a little youth to our group, we have uh, the millennial of our group. We have someone uh, that I've known. How long have I known you, Lauren? At least 15 years, probably. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Well, we have, well, at our house, we call her Big Lauren. 
because she is. I'm huge. Is my, no, no, you're not. But my daughter is also named Lauren. So whenever you're over at the house, we got to differentiate you and, and my daughter, Lauren. So you're a big Lauren in our heart. You're not a big person, but you are big in heart and big in character. We have Lauren. Welcome, Lauren. Hello. <laughs> Good to have you here. You are also a person I thought of because in high school, you used to wear Batman shirts. You used to, what else did you have in high school? I forget what you were, yeah. used to rock in high school. Spider-Man but. shirts. Yeah. I actually had like a Spider-Man trading card in my wallet for At all times. years. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, yeah, so Lauren's going to join us. And actually, Lauren Lauren plays no favorites. She'll go DC. She'll go, um, she'll go Marvel. That's right. <gasps> cross- Brian is shocked. Yeah. <laughs> she'll cross platforms. Yeah. So Lauren's going to bring a little DC knowledge, hopefully, uh, to okay. our conversation. That'll be, fun. That'll be fun. Well, we already kind of got into this. But thank you both for uh, coming and talking with us. Um, but we want to get into a little bit about our backgrounds, how we got into this. We talked a little bit about Brian. How about you, Lauren? How did you first get into comics or characters or or cartoons? What did you get into when you were a kid? Well, for me, it really started, yeah, as a little kid, um, mainly through the animated series and cartoon shows. So in the 90s, there was a Marvel's a Marvel X-Men which was based off of Jim Lee's um, depictions of the characters in Uncanny X-Men. And so that was kind of where my huge education for Marvel characters came. And from there, and I can't really remember if what came first, the cartoon for me or um, the trading cards and going to comic book shops. But for me, it's kind of all intertwined. Um, I do have an older brother. He's two years older than me. And so I definitely tagged along with him. He was very interested. And I was too, to a certain extent, with all the Star Trek stuff at comic Uh book shops, um, which I also love Star Trek as well um, and Star Wars. But for the Marvel stuff, I was just so drawn to the trading cards. For me, best bang for your buck, the excitement of opening up, you know, those packs, seeing what you would get. So Literally a buck, right? Literally bang for a buck. Yes. <laughs> How much does a pack cost back then? I don't even remember. It wasn't my money. I was <laughs> a small child. But it was like coins, right? You could just gather some coins, slap them on the counter, and get a pack of cards. Yeah, right? and I, I remember for my eighth birthday, I begged my parents for a full set of the Jim Lee um 1992 <laughs> cards and they were like it's too expensive it was like 80 bucks they're like that's way uh-huh. too expensive but they bought yeah. it for me and so Whoa. so i still have that in a binder you know in plastic and for me that's really how i learned about marvel characters reading the backs of those trading cards and yeah yeah that's yeah. where it started <laughs> brian does that sound familiar at all or oh yeah resonate totally yeah Oh, I was just going to add that I also begged for like a T-shirt that was also Jim Lee um, and it was huge on me. And I wore it to school thinking this I was starting a new school, third grade, and I was thinking, surely I'll make friends like surely <laughs> like other kids will be like, wow, what a cool shirt. But like nobody said anything to me <laughs> about it. But one of our PE teachers worked at a comic book store. So he was like, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, we would happens. go to his comic book store and just hang out for, you know, like Brian said, free babysitting. Like we just hang out yeah. there. <laughs> nerds kind of have to unite. You know, the ner- the comic book nerds, Star Wars nerds, Star Trek, you kind of find each other in, in strange ways. <laughs> but yeah, Brian, what, what was it like when you're a middle schooler coming into that shop? Did they did they treat you nice or were they kind of like, oh, you again? Or what was it like? The owner of the store, Lindsay, was just, uh, I, I can't even explain. I was a little kid. I was uh, 12 years old and uh, and I looked even younger. So, you know, <laughs> could have probably passed for eight. And he uh, he basically you know, had this comic book store and in my neighborhood three blocks away. And I was just mm. amazed because I had to take buses to get to my comic stores or walk really far. 
And he said, oh, come on in, you know, greeted me. It was really friendly to me. And then he goes, yeah, well, if there's any books you'd like, go ahead and pick it out. And he pulled out a stool, a yellow stool and put it down and you can sit here and read it, which is opposite of my experience with a lot of comic stores that you're not supposed to touch it unless you're going to buy it. Yeah. So uh, to get that royal treatment as a 12 year old, um, you know, and we're lifelong friends. I mean, uh, him and I, I always say we started a conversation when I was 12 and it hasn't ended and we, we constantly are talking. So yeah, um, he treated me really well and introduced me into a whole area of comic books I had no idea about um, because I was collecting, you know, funny books like, um, you know, innocent superhero, uh, uh, I don't like to say movies now because just popular, but comics, but he got me into some deeper comic books. So, you know, that opened a whole new world for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've heard that kind of story before, where you know, little pesky little kid will keep going into the same store, and all it takes is one person to kind of recognize you as a human being and say, you know, hey, you know, I because a lot of times they see themselves in you, right? And I'm sure you you see kids now, and you know, you might you might see a, a, a Spider Man shirt or something, you might start up a conversation with the little kid, and that means a lot to kids, you know, to have someone see them and recognize them. Totally. Yeah. That totally resonates with me, too, because also being like a little girl, um, getting strange looks are just kind of like mm, interesting. But that one. Yeah, I just remember that one um, comic book store that we would go to and we knew, you know, some of the guys who worked there. Um, yeah, we'd like sit behind the counter and like get to look at stuff. I mean, and they knew like he knew that I really loved like trading cards. So I would like look and <laughs> pick up the one like the the hollow ones and like, yeah, yeah, it was fun. so wholesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, for me, I, I didn't get into the books, to be honest. So uh, for me, it was it was all about cartoons and TV shows. If you grew up in the 70s. Uh, it was all about, you know, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man after school or maybe Super Friends, Super Friends on Sunday, Saturday morning. And then, uh, I don't know, Brian, were you a Linda Carter fan with the original Wonder Woman TV show? Oh, yeah. We all had crushes on Linda Carter. Oh, really? She's she's amazing. Yeah, she's still she's she was in Sky High. If you ever watched the movie Sky High, she was the principal in Sky High, which is kind of cool, cool little cameo. But those are the shows, you know, the the little goofy Batman show in the in the seventies and eighties. I still watch but, those. I know, right? They're on my DVR. I'm I watch them with my my son. <laughs> I don't know if you were like me, but at the end of the Spider-Man cartoon, um, Stan Lee would get on there and say, this is Stan Lee, and I thought he was Chinese. Ah. Did, you, did you guys think? You, you may know. You had more knowledge than I did, but I actually thought he was Chinese. Oh, man. <laughs> they have, in, in, like, in the comics, they have like a depiction of him. So you, <laughs> opening up a comic, you know kind of Stan Lee is like this old white guy. Um, and for me, what you know, I loved um, Jim Lee's work, and I prayed. I was like, I really hope that this is an Asian guy and not like another white guy with the Lee of a last name, because I would feel really deceived. And you know, it wasn't until like I was older or just talked to more people. I was like, oh yeah, he is Asian. He's Korean. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good old Jim Lee. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny though, yeah. But yeah, you know, shout out to Stanley. Even though he's not, he's a he's a honorary Asian dude. We'll uh, we'll give him the the Lee na- last name. Yeah. Do you do you remember the first comic you ever bought? Do you remember that one? Might be hard. There might be too many. Well, for me, my my mom used to. I don't know what market or liquor store she went to, but there's a, the turn racks, the spin racks. And I guess every once in a while they'd have a sale and she would grab a bunch of them and bring them home. So it wasn't just one comic. It was a, a little stack. And so I can't remember which one. I remember the, the issues because uh, uh, to this day, when I see it, it brings me back to those moments. There was, yeah, two times she came home with a little stack. So um, 
they were all superhero, non-superhero fantasy, you know, comics like Warlord. I remember um, uh, there was, you know, they were on sale. So obviously the superhero ones were gone. Uh, there, one of the books was Eternals, which is coming out next year. Really? Okay. So I got amazing really early. Um, but the most memorable comic book probably to me about when the say I want to go back to age four was at my babysitters and she had a Superman comic book. Uh-huh. And that was probably the first issue that I ever saw. So it wasn't until three years later that my mom brought these stacks home. But at age four, 1974, uh-huh. my babysitter introduced me to Superman with this one comic book s- sitting on the floor. That's pretty cool. I love that. And yet you went, then you went Marvel though. <laughs> I had DC Origins, yes. Oh, okay. Oh, for all you, uh, all you Brian fans out there, he has a DC Origins. I'm losing story. all my followers right now. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Lauren? You got one book in particular you remember as a little kid? The one that I remember like actually picking out by myself Um <laughs> I don't even know if you guys will know of it, but it's called Femme Force. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, Brian probably knows. Yeah. So it's like, you know, one of the first or only like all female team of superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I picked it because I, this was probably I was like seven. Um, yeah. Seven or eight. Um because like I said, I was all about the trading cards. I didn't really um, dig into the books that much. But yeah, I picked out Femme Force because they're all females on the cover. And I think I, you know, barely knew what was going on. I think that the challenging thing with comics is that usually they're part of like a series and story. So you do, when you pick one up, you're like jumping in in the middle oftentimes. But yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> for never heard. I have to dig that one up. I know. I haven't heard of that one. Not from the big two. It's it's an independent comic. Yes. So it's not from Marvel or DC. Yep. Totally wow. separate one. And I and I will say also, you know, the women depicted in comics, especially at that particular time, like in the nineties, usually like very large breasts, very skinny <laughs> waist, like super um, lean, muscular scantily clad but as a child it's just like these are definitely women so i'm a girl i'm gonna read this and i do think that like as my family saw like what is she reading like why (laughs) like why do the women have to look like that and so um I read after that. I read a lot of Betty and Veronica from Archie Comics because that's okay. way more like toned down, non superhero mm-hmm. comics. <laughs> yeah, but we'll, I mean, we'll we'll definitely get into the representation angle of this, but it matters, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're a kid, you wanna you wanna see yourself in these in this media. You wanna see yourselves in in the books and the movies, and so we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. But yeah, as a little kid, as a little girl, you want to see someone that kind of looks like you, you know, as a woman at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, do you have a is it is it is it okay to ask someone if they have a favorite character, Ryan? Am I breaking any rules if I ask someone? Do you have a favorite character? Oh no, that's a <laughs> totally legit question. Okay, all right, all right. So do you do you all have a favorite character in in the comics or movies? I'm an Iron Man guy. I love Iron mm. Man, and so yeah. I have a. I have a huge love for Tony Stark because I feel like I relate to him being a playboy philanthropist. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Billionaire. Um, it's like looking in the mirror. Don't yeah. we all? Me too, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know, successful and all that. So uh, good looking. And no, I, I just loved Iron Man because of the fact that he was a regular guy and his mm-hmm. superpower was just being intelligent and he created all these um powers because of his ingenuity so you know it's it's a neat i I gotta say i wasn't a a big fan of his when the comics were coming out um he was not he was like a third tier uh character he wasn't popular at all he was Mm -hmm. you know um just getting coming along and appearing his book wasn't that that popular but the movie when i saw the movie i didn't like the movie but I, it re- the character resonated with me more because hmm. there are two-dimensional things on, 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 on paper that you can't really get. Uh, and 
on screen, it really was much louder, the nuances of his character. Yeah. So I, I was actually drawn more to him during my midlife crisis of trying to get back into comic books. <laughs> yeah. So that's my favorite. That, I, I think that's my favorite Marvel movie, Iron Man The first one. one. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I've always liked Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah. too. Um, yeah. You know, his movie in the in the 80s, Less Than Zero, I mean, what a power! I mean, it was, it was almost a biography, you know, of a of a young man addicted to drugs and just burning out of control. And so there's a little Tony Stark, you know. He he was born to be Tony Stark. I mean, the, yeah, his the the sarcastic quips and the you know fast pace of his talking. He's always been that character. So it just it fit like a glove. I think when they found him to do it, totally. How about you, Lauren? You got a favorite character from comics or movies? It's so hard to pick like an all-time favorite because yeah. like Brian was saying and probably in like different phases of your life you had a favorite sure um can I share like a couple <laughs> I would oh, feel bad well, not to mention like multiple I don't know well airtime is free on podcast so we got all day so go ahead well I'll like <laughs> run through them quickly no do take your time, take your time. <laughs> as a kid I loved Rogue There's Mm -hmm. so much, well, at that time, so much mystery around her, but her story, maybe we'll talk about this more later when we talk about Captain Marvel, but um, just something about her, loved it. And then in this, you know, on the flip side, too, with another character that I loved, but didn't know much about was Psylocke, because Mm -hmm. she appears Asian. But I will say, when I read, like, the back of her trading card, and it said her name is Elizabeth Braddock, and actually her identity is not Asian at all, I was like, no! How could this be? But I do love her. I mean, and then, you know, um, the Rebecca character, you know, so just her story is very interesting, too. Mm -hmm. So um, those are two. And then also all-time favorite in my heart is Spider-Man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, he's just, he's a kid, you know, he's a kid himself and just funny. Mm-hmm. And like if it, from the cartoons and then the, the Tobey Maguire movies are really good. I thought that era of Spider-Man movies was really good. But uh, yeah, I was hoping, I, I never, did you see the movie with Olivia Munn as Psylocke? Um, yeah. I didn't. The X-Men. It wasn't very good. <laughs> it wasn't great. Or um, I mean, I think I just have issues with that that whole X-Men yeah, <laughs> like series. I mean, that could be a whole nother podcast. But um, yeah, Age of Apocalypse is such an interesting story arc. And I feel like they just boiled it down to I don't know, I didn't love it. I didn't love how they use Psylocke in that movie. Yeah, I feel like she could have her own franchise. Right. And I just like Olivia Munn, too. Me, too. I, mean, <laughs> I love did her. Did you see that she was on Instagram and she's pulled out, she found her sword in storage. I think this is a couple months ago. She found her sword in storage, and so she's kind of showing off on an Instagram video, and she hits the wall. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she's so funny. <laughs> she's so funny, yeah. she. It wasn't her house. It was like a building somewhere. Oh. She hits the wall, and she kind of, you know, how she's got that goofy, that <laughs> yeah. goofy sense of humor. So, she's very yeah. relatable. Yeah. No, so I guess they, they kind of brought the Asian aspect yeah. to her. And she was great that. as Psylocke in that yeah. movie. She was amazing. Yeah, the effects look really good. On she that. deserves her own franchise. <laughs> Come on, people. Give her her own movie. So Lauren, with Psylocke, she's an she's a English person, mm-hmm. but then her mind gets put into a, a Japanese woman. That's where... Yes. Okay. And yeah. then the, and does it stay there? And she she's had, has an Asian body from that point on? or they And then they kind of... She kind of switches out later on so i think that's why the the stories are so complex and you and you probably you know with how comics they go on and on and on and so there's different time you know it all has to do with like the timeline of when you're looking at a particular character and like thinking of us adapting that for a film you know what i mean but yeah i think that her when i was you know, like in the 90s, her main storyline was, yeah, she was inhabited by the mind of Elizabeth Braddock, who is sister to mm-hmm. Captain Britain. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah, man. You, it, <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> it's yeah, no, it, and then and then all of a sudden they'll change it, right? And then all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, well we changed the rules. It's gonna be this now. Oh yeah, those so. are tough. The retcons of like uh-huh. story arcs. Well, you know, we already got into it. The next topic we're gonna talk about is representation, and. It's been a little sparse in the 80s and 90s, to say the least, right? But I think I think starting, what would you say, Brian, in the last 10 years, 20 years, we're starting to see more representation in comics before 80s? Well, yeah. Well, you know, me being in a bubble till 89, um, coming back into it in 2012 because of the movies and seeing what's out there and what, what they've, you know, what has changed, you know, it, it, there's definitely more. Um, but it's it's kind of like Hollywood. It's more on the Asian woman side, and so the Asian mm-hmm. man is always the the rarity. Uh, it's like we're we're not there, you know. Um, so it's it's interesting because I mean maybe Lauren can speak more on it because she she is probably caught up to the, the modern world. But you know, for me, all I see are a bunch of Asian women heroes, and uh, the Asian men aren't aren't really prominent. Um, we have a we have a Hulk now, so we have a Korean Hulk. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! I think his name is Braun, and so you know he's kind of a. Um, there's a, a Korean scientist, you know, Bruce Banner like, uh, and uh, he he can turn into the Hulk. So he's kind of a cool, cool modern version of the Hulk. And that's the thing with Marvel, um, or even DC, they don't really invent new characters as much, probably because you have to pay out royalties now, so they recreate existing characters, and that, mm. that's happened a lot. They've changed the, the the gender of many characters, right? So there's a mm-hmm. female Thor, and there's a female, you know, everything, you know. So, but in terms of Asian influence, um, you know, we have a couple. Not it hasn't grown by much. Yeah, I actually did a little research and found that uh, Jimmy Woo was actually introduced in 1956. He's an FBI agent, right? Yeah, now. he's not a superhero, but he was in the he's in there a little bit, and he was in he made an appearance. Uh, Randall Park showed up in uh, WandaVision, so that was kind of cool. And they bring him back. Actually, there is a comic book called Agents of Atlas, and they're all Asian superheroes. And Jimmy Woo is he's the Nick Fury for for that for that group. Yeah, wow, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, there is a character. So they came out with a comic book in '85 called uh, Contest of the Champions. Mm. And it was a it was a mini series, uh, three issues. And in that that series, Marvel really does a number to try to get a bunch of different uh, ethnicities introduced. So in that series, they introduced a new German character, uh, a Jewish character, and they had a Chinese character named Collective Man. And so it was a typical he's an Asian man. And his costume was like the, the communist red uh, China flag uh, <laughs> as a top. And um, his power was that he can summon all of his ancestors all the way down the lineage ah. into him. So he can have super strength. You know, he have the, the strength of all his ancestors. And he can, I believe he can multiply himself uh, in, in some sort of way. But anyway... That is interesting because it was one and done. And then all of a sudden he appears, you know, probably a decade or two later, you know, once in a while as a collective man. And then with uh, Shang-Chi, they they actually took one of his powers and they put it into him. So I guess he's Hmm. not going to be around anymore. Um, But Hmm. yeah, the collective man was one of those, if not only Asian heroes that came out. And I, with all this um, gender swapping and uh, race swapping in, in the Marvel universe, kind of wish they would give us Iron Fist. You know, yeah. Just go ahead and change it, change him to Chinese because yeah, it makes <laughs> we so could much use time. another hero. And if you're going to use on, martial arts, yeah. you know, Iron Fist has been around for a bit, and he has a pretty yeah. cool power. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I was up, happened to be listening. You know, part of the genesis of this episode, besides the movie coming out, was I was listening to uh, They Call Us Bruce. It's another podcast by Angry Asian Man. Um, and uh, I'm blanking out on the other guy's name. But they, they Call Us Bruce did an episode on... He's One of the guys is a comic book guy. And they know Jessica Chen, who is the editor of the Batman series over at DC. 
And she put together something called the DC Festival of Heroes, the Asian Superhero Collection. And it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of, um, I, I don't know how to describe it. What do you, what do you call them? It's like a collection of introductions. It's kind of like a anthology or a. Like an or, origin type of yeah. uh, collab. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just kind of like they're just introducing some characters you may be familiar with or introduce some new ones. And so that's kind of cool. And they brought in a lot of the Asian creators to to help out with that. And that was released just in May. Uh, and then Marvel did something also. They did Marvel's Voices, oh, right, Identity right. Number 1, which is uh, Gene, Gene Yang and Marcus Toe over there at Marvel. And they 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 did a similar kind of collection of some some ideas and, and some cover art that's pretty interesting. So I, I think I think they're getting it. I think that the big the big two are, are trying to to do some representation, do a little bit more than they used to. Um, how about you, Lauren? Were you going to say something about Asian representation, maybe that you might have noticed when you're growing up? Growing up, I always assumed brunettes were Asian. Yeah, <laughs> always. I just took them for us. Also, masked superheroes like Deadpool. I just assumed he, could that be. he was Asian. How do you know, right? <laughs> um, who were like you know mostly in ma- you know mask, but I even I even felt like Bruce Wayne could be Asian. Tony Stark could be Asian. So this was just like yeah, or maybe Hoppa, maybe half. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. And I think that that's honestly what I thought because. I just wanted that, but I think yeah. Brian's right, especially in terms of like Asian males. There weren't really that many. I mean, and then for Shang Chi, for me, I had not heard of him before the movie, you know, came out. And um, like Namor, I just assumed that he was also Asian <laughs> because he totally looks Asian. And I think. For films, you know, I ha- I would be remiss if I didn't mention Jubilee, Jubilation mm-hmm. Lee, because um, mm-hmm. she's Chinese American, and when she was introduced, she's like a teenager, bubbly personality, friends with all, BFFs with Wolverine forever, um, <laughs> and I. When the X Men movie came out, I was so disappointed that that like teenage character was rogue and not an Asian woman who, or you know, mm. person who could be Jubilee. Because that's kind of they kind of just switched it around, and I was like, oh no! So mm. this means we won't get to know Rogue as her true character in the comics, and then we missed this opportunity to have you know an Asian gal up on the screen. So I just don't think. The industry was ready at that particular time. You know, Manette now yeah. would be different, I think. Um, but she is one character that I think um, was always really popular in the comics, and she's she's still in them. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, when you say she was Rogue, did Rogue take her appearance? Because or how, how Oh, did... not really. Oh, I, I'll, I should clarify. I think because in that original, that X-Men movie that came out with, like, um, you know, Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier. Um, there, the rogue was like a central character. Um, but in that, she was a teenager who was trying to wrestle with, you know, her powers. And, you know, in the, in the regular comics, or just from what I knew in terms of the, the animated series and all those trading cards that I read, um, she's an adult X-Men and uh, and the character that um, is kind of introduced and groomed as a young person really is Jubilee. Um, OK, and, got it. Yeah. You know, so that particular story role, arc. that story yeah. arc. And I think that's, you know, that's what I love about comics. There's just so much depth and interest in terms of the characters. And I love origin stories so it always like grinds my gears if the origin in terms of what's depicted in a film adaptation is like different from what i know and i'm sure what i know isn't what everybody perceives as doctrine comic doctrine but you know a character like that was very personal you know personal to me 
as a yeah. Chinese American girl. And mm-hmm. I mean, and then her powers were like shooting fireworks from her fingertips or energy blasts. And if that's a little bit racist, that <laughs> might be a little bit racist. I yeah. mean, fireworks. But I, but I think that I mentioned that because I think that there's always just a little bit in my mind when I see a pro- really prominent like Asian, like that's really prominent in their identity. Like someone like Sunfire, I think that's his name. He's like the Japanese um, character. Um, I just always worry that the way that their story is depicted is going to have a little bit of racism or a little cringe. Yeah, Yeah. you know, because I don't know if there was an Asian person in the writer's room for Jubilee when they were like, hey, let's make her power fireworks. (laughs) You know, I doubt it. (laughs) Yeah. Let's have her shoot chopsticks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we'll give her a gong for a shield. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, well that okay, that leads us straight into the guy, the man, uh Shang-Chi that we're talking about. And this is a big deal, right? Cuz this is phase 4 and Black Widow came out and it was supposed to be Eternals. I think Eternals was supposed to be second and then Shang-Chi was going to be third, but then the whole pandemic, so it's supposed to be February, I think. And Eternals was supposed to come out before. And we'll talk a little bit about Eternals, too. Who knows? We, I think we need to do an episode because we have Chloe Zhao and Gemma Chan. We have a, there's a, there is an Asian male character, too, I think. In yeah. Uh, there's also a plays, South uh, Asian character. Yeah, Kumail Nanjiani's in it. Yeah, yeah, the South Asian character, too. So we'll, maybe we'll do a little reunion in a month. We'll do a little pre-Eternals because it's November. That one's coming out in November, so that would be fun. But uh, let's talk about Shang-Chi. Let's talk about his origin. Um, yeah, it was a little cringy in the beginning. It was, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. So Shang-Chi, what do you know, Brian? You, help us out a little bit here with Shang-Chi's origin. Well, Shang-Chi as a comic book was just kind of one of those. It has a little Grateful Dead following. Um I was never attracted to it because I'm like, I've seen this before. You know, it reminded me of the television series uh, Kung Fu uh, in which it was inspired from. And, you know, it's like, okay, Asian guy, martial arts, never seen that before. Yeah, Um, that's how I feel when I see like an Asian person doing martial arts. (laughs) Right. And, you know, it's funny. I talked to the creator uh, right before the pandemic and he was telling me because, he, you know, he nice guy. Jim Starlin is one of the nicest guys in the industry as an artist and a writer. Uh, And he, you know, he really made an effort to undo some things. Um, You know, so originally he was the son of Fu Manchu. And he's very well aware of the negative um, stereotypes of Fu Manchu. So he did everything in his power to make sure that Fu Manchu was not going to reiterate itself into the movie. So he was very Mm. uh, upfront about that. Um, And so, you know, so Shang-Chi is is basically the son of, uh, you know, like kind of a huge mafia kind of thing and wanted to train his son to be an assassin. And so you're going to see that in the movie. It pretty much mirrors that. Um, The problem is, you know, Shang-Chi doesn't want to be that. In fact, his, his, his motivation to see how all the ugly things that his father's done is actually to undo and destroy his father's organization. Um, and so his powers are, you know, simply that he has mastered all martial arts, all. Uh-huh. And, and he has <laughs> amazing um, <laughs> the power of manipulating his chi. So he, if he gets injured, he can, he can kind of move the chi and, and he can heal fast. Uh, he has super speed. He can dodge bullets. Uh, but that's about it. You know, so the comic book was very, there was no supernatural aspect to it. There was no paranormal activity uh, in his book. It was mostly based on his story and him going from one situation to another, teaming up with the MI-16, which is like the CIA of, of Britain, and trying to take down this organization. And that's pretty much the premise of the whole story whole book in the series and you know it ended a little bit early um it didn't make it uh past the mid 80s uh but then they bring him back and they kind of give him some powers and like i mentioned the collective man they kind of gave him that power where he's able to manipulate himself and duplicate himself so he can like and there is an x-men character uh that can do that but for some 
you know, I think his name was Madrox. But anyway, um, he, he took that power and he can manipulate himself. Like you can see a hundred of them in a room. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of an interesting uh, power. And then uh, you know, he uses Stark technology and now he can amplify his, his powers. Um, so he became an Avenger. And the Avengers were full of superpowered, you know, um, human beings uh, alongside with people like Black Widow who didn't have powers. But, you know, uh, that was a big deal when they offered for him to be an Avenger. And that was probably, I don't know, past 2010, I believe. I'm not positive, but that that was a moment. That was a moment. So now all of a sudden he is now on the the hierarchy of being one of the powerful superheroes being in the earth mightiest group. Um, and so that was his evolution. And that's basically yeah, all that yeah. there is about him really. That is so cool. I mean, because it started, like you said, it started off and there was like the Fu Manchu in there. Yeah. And Yellow peril. Yeah. Like yeah. all the way in the seventies. And then, but when you said it was, you know, one of the writer, you know, one of the writers that really wanted to, take take that out of it and elevate yeah. him that's kind of inspiring that's was, like an allyship type of you know hooray for allies for Asians. it, it was really uh, nice I, I specifically you know uh made it a point to go up to him and thank him for that you know because he went on a bunch of interviews uh and he was you know you know touting that that he, you know he doesn't want to um give that portrayal of Fu Manchu going forward. And he actually, I think yeah. he, he made a concerted effort to tell Marvel, like, don't you dare, you know, introduce Fu Manchu. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, means a lot to me, not that you don't do that as creator. So, um, you know, I had a little, you know, time with him and I, and I told him, I said, you know, I just want to thank you uh, on behalf of, you know, all the Chinese in the world, you know, thank you for, <laughs> you know, um, speaking 1.7 billion of us. Yeah. And, uh, and I let him know, and he, he let me know. He goes, "I'm actually meeting with a director next week," um, and he told me that because he, I said, "You know, as a Chinese American, we don't we don't like being Chinese sometimes." Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had many friends, you know, especially uh, Asian males, who would tell me, "I, you know, I wish I was white." And if you, if that's not the most derogatory feeling to hear that someone doesn't want to be themselves you know, uh, yeah. something yeah. that they are, uh, that was pretty, you know, sad to hear growing up. So I let him know that I said, you know, we don't have much representation mm-hmm. anywhere. And, um, and for you to speak up for us means a lot because there, there, there are many people who are Chinese or Japanese and we don't want to be ourselves. And, um, he goes, wow, I didn't really, I, I did not know that. And uh, wow. thank you for sharing that with me. Um, I'll be meeting with the director next week, and I'm going to take that with me. And so I thought that was pretty special. And let's talk about the production for a second. They they did they put some effort into finding a crew. We talked about this a little bit in our intro. They found a little bit of a crew to uh, to keep that vision alive. Like you said, the director Destin Daniel Cretton. Um, not a big name director, but, uh, Japanese, Hawaiian, um, a guy, and he's, he's done maybe most famous for short term 12 and maybe just mercy. I've never seen any of his stuff, but this, this is definitely the biggest, biggest movie that he's done. And I think Lauren, you were, you were saying that he didn't want to do this project at first, but I think as he thought about it and his own family, he's got a son, I think so. I think I I read that he wanted to, um, yeah, work on a project where his son could have someone to look up to. And I think that that's in the same vein of what Brian shared in terms of having representation that for Asians and Asian men in particular can be really proud of in a hero type of situation. I think that that's so important. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, and and you know, Marvel's not stupid. They they look at the movie market out there, and they look at they look at China, and they look at India, and they look at the two biggest countries in the world, and they're like, you know what? I think, I think, I think the world is ready. Not just America, but I think the world is ready for an Asian superhero, 
especially Asian male superhero. So let's talk about him a little bit. So the cast um, is kind of it's it's an amazing cast. I think it, they assembled some really high power folks in the movie industry um, and some some unknowns, some some folks that aren't as well known. Um, the lead character, uh, Simu Lee. Uh, Brian, what do you know about Simu? Well, he, <laughs> sorry, Simu Liu. He he basically uh, has a typical Asian story. Uh, parents wanted him to be, you know, go to college. Uh, <laughs> I think his major was accounting, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, he decided to go into acting and try it out, and you know, was doing like print ads and things like that, and. Um, the incredible thing was that in 2018, he tweeted because he heard that they were making Shang-Chi. Uh, and I believe his tweet says something like, um, like I'm hey, going to talk or, you know, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. what. And, and it, no, he literally just hashtag Marvel, right? Yeah. And, um, and then I think it was six months later that he got called in to audition. So um, Ke- Kevin Feige, the president of the MCU, you know, said, you know, he didn't see it. Um, he actually gave a, a really nice response. He said, uh, we, we didn't choose it because of a tweet. We chose it because of your acting ability. Um, yeah. And so that was really nice and, and your yeah. charisma and things like that. So that was really good. Most famous for uh, Kim's Convenience, right? Right, that's, yeah. He had that's a, his most famous uh, central role in that, in that, in that popular uh, series. On but not a huge star. I mean, now I think people are going to know who he oh, is. Oh, yeah. But, but before, yeah, but... Um, Funny dude, you know, if you see any interviews with him, he's just a nice guy. I started following him on Instagram, and one of the, the most wholesome things I've ever seen is he's walking through Disneyland just, just a couple weeks ago with his action figure. <laughs> so he's doing kind of point of view of someone walking, you know, his action figures walking through Disneyland. And it's just, it's just so, so wholesome. And so, Simu Liu, Simu, Simu Liu, I gotta get his name right. Simu Liu, um, is gonna be Shang-Chi. And hopefully it just changes the world, right? Hopefully we... If not his career, because, you know, we have these situations. It's kind of like the leading uh, woman role. Um, You know, Sandra Bullock was one of the few that kind of made it. But typically you have an action star, you know, uh, a male star, white male star. So like in Speed, right? It was Keanu Reeves. And then all of a sudden you have this female lead and you never see her again, you know? But that that male role or that male uh, actor just goes on. Right. And so, you know, with Asians, you know, I thought we had it made in the nineties, you know, I think it was uh, a year that joy luck club came out. It was Mm -hmm. uh, mortal Kombat came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I thought, Oh, we're, we're going to, we're going to take this Hollywood by storm. We have a bunch of writers and execs in Hollywood now and nothing. It degraded from there. And it's just like, okay, is this going to happen again? Uh, Simu Liu is going to be the flavor of the week and then nothing. I hope this launches his career. I want to see his face everywhere. He's capable. He's, he's just as authentic as any other actor on screen. And um, I want to see him in multiple roles. I mean. And not just always doing Kung Fu, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, it's crazy. We're in, we're, we're, we're pinned into this bottle, like, you know, martial arts and, you know, there's cultural yeah. appropriation, you know, <laughs> It's it's kind of like like if we didn't have martial arts and we didn't have Chinese food, we would never be on TV. Period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so we're definitely not seen as family men. I mean, we, we're never at the father is never is always white. And yeah, yeah. So yeah, we 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 hope that this is going to change things, and we really appreciative to Kevin Feige who's really wanting to uh, explore. Uh, different looks and views of other cultures in, in this universe and so that's it's a really good opportunity yeah i mean the the ice the the ice is being chipped away slowly you know we're starting to see some characters who uh and we'll talk about this i'm doing an episode actually after this episode we're doing one on asian sitcoms and we'll talk a little bit about the evolution of the you know the male lead or the asian father hmm. And there was a piece that came out about how most, the majority, and they did research on this, and they looked at all the times Asians were in, you know, mainstream kind of stuff. And most of the time, the Asians end up being the punchline. You know, most of the time, the Asians are being laughed at. 
and it's slowly, you know, changing. My daughters watch a show called Alexa and Katie. I don't know if you've ever heard of this show. It's, you know, it's for 10-year-olds, so you may not watch it. <laughs> but the it's a it's a mixed-race family, and the, and the dad is Asian. The dad is uh, Asian in that one, and the mom is Caucasian. So that's kind of cool. Kind of, you know, for us to see that was kind of cool, see an Asian dad. And he's funny, and he's talented. Um, so we're, yeah, I don't know. We're not there yet. You know, it's still, if there aren't martial arts, there may not be an Asian in there just yet. But there's another kids there. show and, um, it's, I think it's Disney as well, but it was kind of like, um, she's a, uh, she's a Hapa. She's a half Asian, half white character. But the crazy thing is that her, her grandmother I believe is also an Asian woman married to a white character. So it's kind of like you have two generations and the father is white every time. And then she gets a boyfriend and her boyfriend's white. So it's kind of like, okay, how, how far can you keep going here? It's so obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It'll be very exciting um, to see storylines about, yeah. Like Asians just try like, Chinese. I mean, not to sound elitist or anything like that, but, you know, just because these stories, you know, uh, Asian Americans in, you know, making our making our way in America, just living your life, living our lives. You know, I think that that's that's really important. And I think like going back to what Brian said about seeing Simu Liu, um, his career maybe take off giving more opportunities to tell those stories, I think is super important. I mean, Keanu Reeves, I will always claim him as an, him as an Asian person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, ha- he does have one of those faces where it's like, you could go either way, you know, which yeah. I think is wonderful and great. And he's been in amazing films. I love Keanu Reeves. Um, but yeah. for someone like Simu Liu, it's like you see his face and he looks like he could be a friend of ours. You know, right. it's like a very like Chinese face and not <laughs> saying that in a racist way at all. I'm saying it in like a very, but not very Eurasian. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I, it's kind of disheartening. Actually, I've seen some like things on the internet of people in Asia, like, uh, commenting on his appearance and saying that he's not handsome or whatever. And uh-huh. I personally, I don't know where that's like really coming from, but he just looks like a normal, handsome Chinese guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the rest of the cast, I mean, talking about powerhouse cast, um, his dad in the movie, uh, his name Wen Wu aka the mandarin which has a has a long origin right brian it goes way back to iron man one but you know it's kind of the, the fake one the mandarin <laughs> yeah the fake the fake mandarin played by ben kingsley <laughs> but uh we have we have tony Leung. uh if american audiences may not know him that well but if you have any connection to hong kong movies he is a legend. I looked him up. Um, ninety nine movies to his credit. Ninety nine movies, and he's not a hundred years old, so he's doing more than one movie a year, which is amazing. Um, some of some of our favorites. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. Some of our favorites are um, if you ever watch Hero, Hero with Maggie Chung and Zhang Ziyi and Jet Li. Uh-huh. Amazing visuals. Yep. Just a feast for your eyes, and he's he's great in that one. Uh, and then my one of my favorite directors from Hong Kong is Wong Kar Wai, and he did In the Mood for Love and Chungking Express. So Tony Leung is in both of those, and so good. Chungking Express is an amazing movie too. And then now you may know what was the what was the American name of Infernal Affairs? Was that I think Internal I'm, Affairs. Was it internal? The Leonardo DiCaprio one? Yeah. What was that? Gosh, I'm blanking out on that. But uh, the original. The original yeah. was from Hong Yeah, Google it. Yeah, yeah. Help me look smart, Lauren. Google it. <laughs> Quick edit. Of course, you all knew the answer. The movie with Jack Nicholson, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, Leonardo DiCaprio is, of course, called The Departed. The original was called Infernal Affairs uh, out of Hong Kong, and it had it had Tony Leung, it had this all star Edison Chen was in that one. Oh yeah, Edison but- <laughs> Chen. 
<laughs> we will we will talk about this again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Tony Leung has a long history of just amazing movies, romances, thrillers, martial arts. I mean, he's he's done it all, and he's not that old. But he plays he plays Shang Chi's dad. Um, so he brings in the Ten Rings. What do, what do you know about the Ten Rings, uh, Brian? Do you know much about those? I don't know anything about the Ten Rings, but I do know that it was. 20 years in the making, it seems. Marvel had this planted back in Iron Man. Um, so there's hints of this, this 10 rings throughout uh, multiple Marvel movies. So they, they anticipated Shang-Chi to be um, coming out. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that plot. Yeah, I, I, I don't know either, but it looks like they're going to be cool. Yeah. They, they supposedly have, you know, they give them a little bit extra power. So not just pure kung fu fighting now he's got actually you know his dad has these 10 rings and the the trailers look pretty cool mm-hmm. um so yeah he's gonna be his dad kind of the arch nemesis so if you if you watch any korean dramas or or asian movies typically there's some family drama in an asian movie you know it's kind of like the biggest source of conflict in most most asian movies is familial relations somehow yeah. so we're gonna get we're gonna see his his dad, and then we're gonna see his sister. I don't know anything about her, but then there's also his aunt, which is who is played by the incomparable Michelle Yeoh, who also has a resume that just spans decades. And you know, I just love her. I first saw her when I was in Macau in 1992. Saw her in Super Cop. Or Police Story Three. She was yeah. amazing. I'd never heard of her before that. Right. And she's Jackie Chan, and she were just amazing in that movie. And I was like, uh, "Who is this person?" And so she's amazing martial artist, but she's she's expanded beyond that. So luckily, she's gotten roles in Crazy Rich Asians, The Song Sisters. You've seen her. Americans have seen her before. And then, of course, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is another kind of wushi kind of kung fu, but just a beautiful, beautiful movie. So she's going to play, she plays his aunt, right? She plays Wenwu's sister, is that? I think that's who she is. But she's kind of trains him. She's she's Shang-Chi's mentor and kind of trains him. So those scenes are going to be, those scenes are going to be great, I think. And then uh, we got Aquafina. Who I, I don't know. How do you feel about Aquafina, Lauren? You like Aquafina? I do. Sometimes she, she's a little much. I like her. I like her. Oh yeah, she can. Yeah, I mean, she's got a big personality, and she can fill <laughs> yeah. the room. And I think that she should every single time. She is amazing. <laughs> she's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And we all know her from Crazy Rich Asians, but also um, the Farewell. It was an amazing movie with her, and it showed that she has some range. You know, she's not just the goofy sidekick. No, she's so. gonna. She's an up and comer. She's she's gonna be a, a major force, I believe. She's got a lot of talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she writes. Yeah, I mean, and she, she her show uh, uh, Nora's Aquafina. Nora from Queen yeah. uh, Aquafina is Nora uh-huh, from Queens. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, she and, and her music, <laughs> her music. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> But, you know, put her on the map, put her on the map <laughs> and got her some roles in Ocean's 13, was it? Or Oh, yeah, uh, she was great in that, too. Yeah. So, yeah, big personality. Uh, now, they're buddies, right? In this movie, Shang-Chi and her work in San Francisco, right? There's a, there's a shout out to San Francisco. And I think they're just friends. Is it going to be a romance between them? I don't know. Or are they just friend zoned? <laughs> I don't know. Gonna have to watch the movie. To be seen. To be seen. To be determined. It doesn't seem like it. It seems like they're going to be just pals. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what a cast, right? What a uh, charismatic cast. It looks like it's going to have some laughs. You know, Marvel movies are so good at that. Mixing in some laughs. It's going to have complex story, which we don't know much about, clearly. But um, it's. it looks like it's going to have... Uh, some amazing action you know they were working on it and some cameos have you heard of any cameos that are happening in this one is any marvel cameos we might want to look out for well let's see wong's going to be in it so there's going to be a little bit of you know wong being uh dr strange's sidekick um yeah benedict wong yeah so we'll we'll see a little bit of that Uh, i'm sure there's gonna be other hints you know 
Marvel's great at Easter eggs. So there's going to be a bunch of things that are going to be after we watch it three years from now, we look back. Shang-Chi had, you know, all these little hints there. So they're so good at that. They are. Will Stark Industries play a role? He said that maybe he gets some some gear from. We don't know. We're going to have to tune in and find out. We know that (laughs) it happens in the comic books, but, you know, we don't don't know. And is Tony Stark really done in the Marvel Universe? We don't know Mm. that either. Uh-huh. Oh boy! So timelines, timeline wise, this is after the snap, right? This is after uh, the Earth has been restored. The foundation for the the Phase Four, Phase Five, and uh, yeah, the future's bright. You know, they haven't introduced the mutants yet. They haven't introduced uh, the Fantastic Four. So mm-hmm. uh, Shang Chi, Eternals. Yeah, they're gonna. This is gonna be one of those foundational movies. Yeah, so I, I think uh, I think things are looking up. Uh, I think this is going to be exciting. I'm excited about it. Uh, this is this is coming out after we're going to do it, but the Infatuation Podcast rented out a theater. Yeah. Thanks to Lauren, <laughs> we rented out a theater. We're going to do a little private showing for us and twenty uh, something of our best friends and family coming by. So that'll be fun. Maybe we'll do some live interviews. Maybe I'll bring a recorder. We'll do oh, some yeah. interviews. That would be great. Like um, first reactions. Of, first reactions. Of, you know, yeah. People. That'll be good. That'll be good. But yeah, still in the pandemic. So we weren't quite ready to just mix with the randos. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So we're, we're limited to people that we know for this showing. But maybe the Eternals. Maybe we'll do a little infatuation uh, Eternals viewing. That would be fun. But yeah, that movie I definitely want to talk about. I think I think there's some stuff going on there. Chloe Zhao is amazing. She's the director. Yeah, Eternals looks um, really interesting. And I have no idea either about the Eternals. So. The, yeah, the, I think the trailer just came out. It looks, looks pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Because their powers are crazy powerful. And I will, I will watch anything with Gemma Chan in it. So Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad yeah. that she's in the, you know, that she, her, you know, presence in the marvel universe didn't just end you know yeah yeah it's her second time yeah around, i think that yeah. that's really great all right well exciting um so those of you out there listening have you seen shang chi yet coming out september 3rd so this episode's dropping i think september 6th so uh yeah let us know send us an email if you want um we're gonna give you one more week to watch the movie so then next week Episode 9.2, we're going to spoil everything now. <laughs> we'll try not to spoil everything, but we're definitely going to talk about the movie. So you want to see it. So we'll give you one more week to see it. And then, what is it, September 15th or something like that, the, the 9.2 will drop. So make sure you see it before then. Um, but this has been fun. This has kind of been a warm-up. I'm getting more and more excited about this movie. This is a little warm-up conversation. Uh, I think that's going to do it for episode part one. Um, give us your thoughts. You can, you can write to us 24 hours a day. You can write to us at the Infatuation Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook. And I'll put all these details in the show notes so you can look that up. Um, more episodes coming soon. Uh, we're going to do, like I said, we're going to do a breakdown of Asian sitcoms. We're going to talk about, of course, Fresh Off the Boat, Never Have I Ever, maybe a little Kim's Convenience, maybe a little All American Girl. I was going <laughs> to ask you about that, Margaret Cho. <laughs> A little all San Francisco's own yeah. All American Girl. Um, so that's coming soon. Uh, and then we're also doing a breakdown of some Asian frozen foods, episode eleven. So check out, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, Spotify and iTunes. So we'll see you. We'll see you, Brian and Lauren, in a couple weeks at the theater, Yay. which will be super yeah. fun. And everyone else, check us back out. Come back and see us, or listen to us at least. Uh, so until then, on behalf of Brian, Lauren, and myself, we hope that you're all happy, healthy, and safe out there. Thanks again for listening, and talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web, any size, catches seeds, just like flies. Look out, here comes a Spider-Man. Right, episode one. Thanks, guys. 
We're going viral on that one. This is fun. I could talk about this kind of stuff forever. I feel like there's so yeah. much, but of course we don't want to lose any listeners. We can go deep level nerditude. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. man. You know, when you were talking about the Eternals, it made me think of um, the Wildcats. Did you ever? Um, the Wildcats. <laughs> that was a Jim Lee thing, too. Yeah, the image okay. book. Yeah, between DC and between his DC and Marvel. <laughs> you mean because in terms of who he Just decides- like an alien race, like right. crash landing on Earth and like. When they get, when the bad guys get all angry, then you have the wildcats. When you need team them the come. most, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> what's interesting? Quitting in '89 was perfect for me because it was before Image, Valiant, yeah, and Marvel going public, and where people were buying tons of comic books. I mean, it is a large populace of people buying comic books. In yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saved a lot of money because a lot of that stuff is not worth much because there wasn't much content. It was all flair. It was like multiple co- uh, covers and things like that. Yeah, they there were a ton of multiple covers. Because there were yeah. just satisfying shareholders trying to sell as many books as possible. So I Six and a half hours later. All right, well, you got to get going, Brian. So we'll we'll chat in a week or so. Week in two weeks, we'll chat. We'll see you at the movie theater. Yes. Looking forward. Thanks, Bruce. Yes. Bye, Lauren. All right. Bye. That was fun. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Bye.